Welcome to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. In this podcast, we tackle difficult issues related to living, loving, and leading in a broken world. Today, John and Mark talk about the advice that they would give to their younger selves. Thanks for joining us today. We want to have some fun today as we talk about some, uh, I think what will be a fun conversation, but but it also I think will bring some real value uh, to people. John, there's a, you know, I like all kinds of music and there's a, there's actually a country music song entitled, If I Could Write a Letter to Me, that's about like if, if the guy, the writer could go back and write a letter to his younger self, you know, what would he tell that guy? And you and I in a conversation with actually with your daughter, it came up, you know, you guys should do an episode on what would you tell your 20 year old self? So yeah. today, that's what we're going to talk about. What would we tell our 20-year-old selves? Well, I can tell you this. It wouldn't be a letter. It would be a book. Because <laughs> there's so much that I would have to tell my 20-year-old self. I don't know about you, but most of mine would start with, don't do this. <laughs> yeah, don't be dumb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so both of us knew each other. In our tw- we knew each other in our 20s. Yep. I mean, you know, here we are in our late 50s. 50s, but we've known each other for a long time. So you probably could say, this is what I'd like to tell your 20-year-old self. Oh, no. But let's just start with, you know, in our 20s, probably the number one thing that happens in life is our key relationships and our main thing we pursue with our life as far as vocationally. Yeah. So let's start with the first one. <laughs> so you got it. you're going to pick a spouse. You're going to pick a life partner. That happens for a lot of people in their 20s, what would you tell 20-year-old John about how to think about this issue? Yeah, this is this is uh, quite a you, – you know, when I came to know Christ, I came from a very broken place. Mm-hmm. And when it came to relationships, I don't think – it's probably impossible for anybody to be any dumber. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just some of the ways that I would approach – relationships. So, you know, through my 20s, I, I didn't get, uh, I wasn't married until right when I got into my early, uh, when I was 30 years old. And so, so I had probably nine years there mm. where I, you know, I was single through my 20s. And thank God he helped me to, you know, uh, you know, walk through some of those days and sure. keep some integrity. But I was engaged twice. Mm. Uh, I'm learning before, stuff already. Before I married my <laughs> wife, uh, which thank God, if you ever prayed for something, you go, oh, I just wish this would Thank God that uh, those two uh, engagements didn't work out, <laughs> and I got to the lady of my dreams. Amen. But I, I probably one thing I would say to myself in my 20s is to be patient, mm. because I think that I was just so impatient when it came to relationships. I, I can't imagine I'm the only one because as a pastor, I've worked with young adults a lot. And I find that, you know, somewhere you have to just go, I have to trust that God has my life in control and he knows what he's doing. And rather than, you know, trying to, you know, kind of go through however many relationships until you find the right one, uh, now, I do think that it is good to be you know, patient, and it's okay to like different people and date. But when it comes to just that lack of rest as far as searching and seeking for 
for the, for the, you know for a relationship, man, you got to put that in God's hands because I made some really dumb decisions sure. as as a young person just trying to navigate through that area in my life. All right, so let, let's I'm gonna I'm gonna get really practical here. Yep. So it sounds really Christian, sounds really spiritual to say we got to put it in God's hands. Yeah. But God didn't show up and ask Christopher a date. <laughs> John had to do that. Right. So let's get practical here. What does that look like? What does it mean practically to put something in God's hands that's very tangible? Yeah. So I'll start off with a story of how not to put it in God's hands. So I, uh, my best friend in Bible college, we, uh, we traveled, actually, we were in Lakeland and we traveled to Clearwater uh, to see a concert. And after the concert, the college age group at the church was meeting together. So the two of us go, you know, to this place that, you know, we didn't know anybody. It was just kind of me and my friend Bill. And so we, we show up and, you know, we're hanging out and talking to people. Well, it was time for uh, for food, and it was like $5 a person. And so they go, okay, you know, time for the food. And we'd been talking to some girls there. Mm-hmm. And so we go to get in line, and Bill says to me, hey, we, we really need to figure out what we're doing here. Well, he was, the way he was referring to is that it was kind of my turn to pay, you know, for his pizza. So he wa- it was my turn to kind of pay the $5. Mm-hmm. Well, the two girls behind us, one of the girls says, well, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I go, really? Well, what's that? And she goes, you're trying to figure out who's going to date what girl. And we're like, it had nothing to do with that. But I go, you are actually really <laughs> perceptive. As a matter of fact, and I, pull, I pulled a quarter out of my pocket. And I said, we were just about to flip a coin to see who got what girl. And I flipped the coin and I go, oh, heads, looks like we're dating. And the next night... We went on a date. We went on a double date. That is not the way to approach relationships. I would add that's not the way to approach women, period. At all. But it did work that day, that one time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, But here's the, here's the way to approach it. I think as I begin to mature in my life mm. and walk with the Lord, and, I, you know, I was a single youth pastor for a few years. It's sure. actually where I met met my wife. Uh, she was not in the youth group. She was in the college age group. Uh, but as we were navigating through that, I know I came to a place in my life and I was like, God, it feels like I'm just trying so hard to make things work. Mm. And I think when I finally came to the place and I went, Lord, I just want to know you and I want to walk with you. And Lord, whoever it is that you bring into my life, I'm just at peace with that. But, uh, you know, I want somebody that is going to reflect your glory and your nature and your character and then he brought along my wife, Krista. And I got to tell you, I wouldn't trade her for, you know, for anything in the world. But it, but I had to come to that place where I had to stop being the person that was pushing the relationships and just sure. letting God be the one who, who brought those good things to my life, if that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely yeah. makes good sense. I mean, so. All right. So we're going to go on to next thing is so job. Oh, Lord. How do we. How do we tell the young version of yourself? Now, you and I fall into a unique category maybe because we actually feel like we have vocational callings yeah. to serve God. Sure. So we fall into a, a somewhat narrow demographic here. Yeah. But we've also both worked with a lot of people, yeah. young people, that we've helped walk through these kind of things. What do you tell that young version, that twenty early 20s gal or guy that's trying to figure out where are they gonna, what are they going to do with their life? 
Yeah, you know, that's a that's a great question. I, I think um, anybody that knows me, you know, I was playing college football. I'm doing my degree is in uh, finance and law. Uh, that was the path that I had. Well, then I was called to ministry. I felt a call to ministry, and so I I left that college. I was mm-hmm. at East Tennessee State, and then I just began searching God. What do you want? Well, I had to get a job in the meanwhile. So for nine years, I was a meat cutter okay. of going through, and it, so I kind of have that blue-collar background. And sometimes, you know, when it comes to vocation, uh, you have to pay the bills, yep. and you have to do the things that, to, to make sure that you can make it through life. And one thing I, I think that is particularly important in this generation, it feels like that a lot of people don't, like everything they do, they want to have an intrinsic value. And first and foremost, you know, God will provide but sometimes we have to do things that we don't necessarily want to do. And there's a progression in life and, and being patient with it because I was a little bit impatient through some of those those years. But I ultimately knew that I had a calling to serve God. And so as I was going through those years of doing like other jobs and other things, mm-hmm. I never lost saw, sight of what my calling was. Mm. My calling was to be in ministry. And now, you know, 30 years I've, I've been in ministry and feel like I've, you know, been productive with that. Mm-hmm. But I, I couldn't let the paycheck determine. So so I'm, you know, at a, a grocery store chain called Publix. It's one of the best in America to work for. And when I graduated from Bible college at Southeastern, I was offered this job that I would have been making 60 grand a year back then would have right, been a really sure. great paying job. Well, I passed that up to go do an internship for $100 a week, and it was the best decision I ever made Mm. because as I worked through some of those early just learning ministry, it it provided a way for me to have effective ministry over the years. And so one thing I would say is as you're going through those moments of knowing where you're called to be but not actually being there— it's really it's really good to be focused on what God has called you to do. And as you walk through those steps, you're preparing yourself, you're educating yourself because there's an ultimate goal. I think that that is so important. If, if I probably would have been more um, focused on that earlier on, mm. I probably could have gotten to the places that uh, I needed to be earlier mm. rather than later. It sounds like one of the things that's driving your suggestion changes, especially as it relates to this topic, is making values-based decisions as opposed to like comfort-based decisions. Like you weren't just looking for the best salary, the best position, the best, you know, what made you feel the best necessarily, but there was a value system underneath that that was driving those decisions. Yeah. And the, and the part that, you know, when it comes to especially like careers and especially finance, I was I was terrible at saving, mm. um, you know, saving money. I really wish if I could go back and talk to my twenty year old self, I would have said very early on, save money every paycheck. You know, ten percent goes to the Lord, ten percent invest it, and I think it's a good pathway through because I I found myself you know thirty five years old and I had very little in savings mm. and I'm a poor pastor. <laughs> I wish I would have done better at, at saving money and mm. investing. Um, that's probably not something that I was really good at. But no, absolutely. I think that when you know where you're supposed to go and you can get focused in on that and then educate yourself, prepare yourself 
to fulfill the things that God has called you to do, I think you'll find yourself in a better place. You know, I agree 100%. I think for myself, when I think about these issues, you know, I think when I made good decisions, they were long-term focused. And when I made bad decisions, they were short-term focused. Very good. You know, and I'm not sure how easy it is for us when we're young (laughs) to make long-term decisions because, you know, long-term meant, you know, has a different perspective at my age than it did then. Uh, You know, we were having a conversation a couple of years ago with a young guy who was talking about filling a call to missions. And of course that's, I was serving as a missionary and a missionary leader. And so I was processing this guy's helping him process his call. And, you know, so one of the questions came up was, you know, do you feel like a, is, is this a call to like short-term missions, you know, or, or long-term? And he goes, Oh no, absolutely. Long-term. I went, Oh, that's great. And I'm like, so, like how long he goes oh well at least a year <laughs> you know it's coming from a guy did you laugh in his face i tried not? not to and i tried not to you know let my face know what my head was thinking you know? uh, but you know in his perspective a year was a long time yeah uh, for me it wasn't a long time yep. and uh so i think we have to make those kind of decisions all right you, you talked about finance yeah so that's a big deal i mean in our story would be very similar to yours in that I wish I had started saving Mm. earlier, you know, because there's nothing like time in this issue as it relates to this issue. We have a a close friend who was a missionary who served uh, under us in one of our fields, and he used to sit down with all the, like, early 20-somethings on the field, Mm -hmm. and it was usually guys, but not only, and he'd sit down with them and he, you know, he has this, he's a big, tall guy, hands like catcher's mitts and, you know, and, and a really deep voice. And he would just kind of, he kind of, a you know, a, a man's man look across the table at you and he'd look at these young guys and go, what are you doing for retirement? <laughs> <laughs> and they'd be like, uh, uh, nothing, I'm 22. And he's like, son, you just expect it to show up someday? <laughs> and they were like, well, I never really thought about it. And he goes, well, today's the day to start thinking about it. Yep. And, you know, so, I, you know, I wish somebody had sat down with 22-year-old Mark and said, yep. today's the day to start thinking about it. You know, because it's sometimes that's for me, I've discovered it's more about habits. You know, it's about consistency over intensity. You know, that it's even small investment over a long period of time Mm -hmm. is better than saying, I'll wait till I have more money. And then I'll invest because you've lost all the time, you know. And, of course, we never have – then marriage comes and kids come, and then you never have any money. It's never there. And yeah. if you haven't developed that habit, yep. you know, so I wish I'd developed that habit. I did eventually, but, you know, I look back and go, that's 20 years wasted. I wish yep. I, you know, I'd get back. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it probably if, if you're watching, especially if you're watching and you're a little bit younger, we probably sound like, you know, two old men with our gray hair going, get off the grass, son. You know, like, but but this is this is this is such a profound area to really, you know, really hone in on and look at if, if you're younger. Certainly, if I was speaking to myself when I was younger, it's just and, and sometimes it's just consistent amounts so it doesn't have to be like, you know, out of your half your paycheck. Right. But if you can consistently put money away, what you do is it, it 
listen, first, it builds wealth. But even more than that, it frees you up to serve God. Because one thing I think that we both believe in is, first of all, whatever God calls me to do, I want to be ready to obey. And if I have, you know, if I have debt piled up, I can't really obey him because I have to, you know, you know, make the money so that I can pay off the debt. And there's a biblical principle there. The (laughs) the borrower is slave to the lender. 100%. And you can't do some things if you are a slave to debt. Yeah. And as a believer, uh, to me, I want to be, hey, I want to be enslaved to nobody except for Jesus Mm -hmm. and the call of God and what he's speaking. And so if I am financially free, it allows me to go. And here's the other part of that, which is, you know, because you go, well, maybe God's not called me to be a missionary or pastor but you know, God has called us to be in, in a position to give when He asked yeah, to, to give. To be generous, and right, exactly. And so, if I'm in a place that you know, like I, you know, my, my income can only pay off the debt that I've accumulated because I don't, I can't delay gratification, mm. and it's really an issue that, that that can happen with young people. It certainly was for me. Is that I didn't want it when I saw something that I want, I go spend the money and get it. Rather than saying, hey, maybe I don't need that. Let me save so I can have financial freedom. So then when the Lord prompts your heart to be generous, to give, whether it's to missions or to church or whatever it may be, I have the financial freedom to be able to bless and to give and to be generous because God has brought me to a place that I have real financial freedom for the kingdom. And now like it's not that I own, you know, that that the money owns me, but I own the money. Sure. The money doesn't work me, but I work the. And those resources are there to use for the kingdom and for the life that God has called me to walk in. Yeah, that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Mark, I want to turn the tables and ask you a question. All so, right. if you could go back to your twenty-something Mark Renfro, which yeah. I remember well playing <laughs> intramural football together, uh, but if you were to say to yourself, like as a as a young person, mm. what would you do in the realm of of building friendships? What could you mm. do differently? Uh, in those younger years to 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 form uh, relationships and friendships? You know, I, I know this is going to this could come off wrong, but I think this is an area that in some ways I did well. You know, it, did I do it perfectly? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the fact that I'm sitting at this table today and you and I are having this conversation is based on a friendship started 30 plus years ago. Yep. You know, I have several friends in my life that I I don't see them. I may not see them every 5 years, but when we sit down together, it's like we the we were together yesterday because mm. they are those kind of deep friendships. One of the things that I look back as a commonality on that is maybe two points I'd point out that were significant to me is one Affinity is important, but it's not the most important thing. Mm. So both of us like sports. Okay, we have that in common. But there are other things about us that are very, very different. But our friendship isn't based just on our affinity. Our friendship goes deeper than that. So sometimes affinity, the things we like, the things we have in common may draw us together, but we grow deeper by values. So the best friendships are values-based friendships. When we when we share values, 
So personalities, mm-hmm. we may be total opposites in some respects, but our yeah. values are the same. And so that's where we go deep. You know, we view life sort of from the same paradigm. The, uh, but maybe the second point, second point is I want diversity of thought. Thank you. Yes. I don't want to surround myself with a bunch of people that think exactly like I do. You know, my wife said to me one time, me and a couple of my friends that were together, and she goes, if I didn't know you guys, I think you were like ready to come to blows. Because <laughs> <laughs> like we'd be like debating with each other and, yeah. you know, like arguing with each other about an issue that we thought very differently about. Yeah. But we loved each other. And at the end of the day, I think it was iron sharpening iron. You know, I moderated some of my positions. You know, they may have changed theirs. We, But it, even at the end of the day, we might have gone, eh, we're just going to agree to disagree on this one. <laughs> you know, but our relationships weren't based on that, but they benefited. Very good. From that. And then the last part of this is... You know, I think that it's important to understand that who you're going to be 20, 30, 40 years from now is going to have a lot to do with who you surround yourself with. Yep. I want to be able to impact everybody. I want to have compassion on people whose lives are broken. You know, I want to have the ability to touch people in every segment of society, regardless of where they are. But that doesn't mean I'm inviting them all into my inner circle. Yeah. I want people who I'm going to help encourage upward and they're going to help encourage me Mm -hmm. upward. That I'm going to grow because that person's my friend. And so those for me are like the three big takeaways. And I feel like I did those mostly well. And so, you know... More often than not in this conversation, you know, in this podcast, we talk about what we blew it. Maybe that's one area where I, I did okay, and it pays off today that I've got some great friends all around the world. Mark, that is that is so rich and uh, a lot to learn from there. You know, one thing, you know, just, just in relationships, maybe to add a little bit to that, is I know for me there's things not just about the people that I've formed friendships with, but some of my qualities and characteristics. I think when I was 20-something, there was probably a lot of things I was blind to mm. in myself, and I would probably slap my 20-something <laughs> self on the side of the head and go, hey, you you need to cop on to yourself on some things. Mm. And, and another area for me was I wasn't always very authentic. Mm. There was a lot of things that I would have struggled and walked through and battled with that I wish I could go back and go find those trusted friends and and really navigate through that, it probably would have deepened me as a person early on, and I probably would have got more help younger than mm-hmm. what it took me years to come into. And uh, we probably could follow this up with, what would I tell my 50-something <laughs> self? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I'm, I'm probably at this age and I'm still learning a lot. Sure. So, Yeah, I think we've had a good conversation today, John. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I want to end our topic today by talking about this issue of friendship. So we, we talked about friends at some point during this conversation today. But I just want to remind you that there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So no matter what you're dealing with in your life, there is a person, his name is Christ, that wants to be your friend. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That even if you feel like life has not been what you expected, 
maybe people have betrayed you. Jesus never will. Mm. And I want to encourage you with that, that if you are in a difficult spot, maybe you look back at your 20-year-old self and you go, man, I blew it so badly. Jesus has never abandoned you. Amen. And he wants today to be a closer friend than you could possibly imagine. So we want to wrap up today by praying for you and reminding you that Jesus does want to be, stick closer to you than a brother. So. Father, we thank you for your goodness in our lives. We thank you that the Bible is full of examples of friendship, uh, people who were friends with each other. We think about like David and Jonathan, but more than anything, we think about the fact that God wants to be our friend. Jesus said, I don't talk to you as slaves or servants, but I talk to you as friends. Thank you, Lord, that you want to be our friends and you want to be our friend. And so, Lord, today, if there's a person listening or watching that maybe has not had that kind of relationship with you. Uh, maybe they have had that servant-slave relationship, but they've never experienced having you, Jesus, as their friend. And today, Lord, we ask that you would reach down into their heart, Lord, that you would speak to them, and that with your loving voice, you would, you would woo them toward yourself, that you would encourage them, that you would really do deeply want to be their friend. And just as we've talked about so many life issues today, Lord, we're thankful that you give us wisdom and guidance in all of this, that we have a wise friend who walks through life with us. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would encourage you to share this content with those 20-somethings in your life. And if you are one of those 20-somethings, we're really glad you're listening. Would you make a comment where you can? Would you share this with your friends? And would you like it wherever possible? Thanks for joining us. We look forward to being with you again next week. Thanks so much for joining us. We know your time is valuable, and we're so thankful you chose to spend it with us. As a follow-up to our conversation, we'd like to recommend Pastor Tim Delaney's new book, The 260 Journey. It's designed to help you build the habit of studying God's Word every day, and it's available at store.worldchallenge.org, or you can find more information in today's show notes. Join us next time for a conversation on discerning God's voice and listening when He speaks. We'll see you then.